0: AgTech360 discusses breakthrough technologies that are impacting growers, businesses, and consumers. Hear from industry and academic experts about what's on the horizon.
1: So I'm Adrian Percy, uh, the Executive Director of the NC Plant Sciences Initiative and your host on this podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to be welcoming Dr. Tom Conn, who's come all the way down from the mountains in North Carolina at a very critical time of year, in the apple industry because we're entering into the harvest season and today we're going to talk about ag tech and apples and how technology is going to enhance and protect apple production moving forward here in in North Carolina but also uh, perhaps a little bit further afield across the U.S. So welcome Tom. Thank you very much for having me Adrian. It's a
0: pleasure to be here.
1: Well we're certainly appreciative of you coming all this way across the state to talk to us And what I wanted to do just to start off was just tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your appointment and what kind of areas are you focused on?
0: I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Horticultural Science. My position's a little bit unique. I serve multiple states. My position crosses state lines through an agreement between North Carolina State University, the University of Georgia, and Clemson University. that that's that's really powerful to me because each of those industries are we're relatively small apple production area but when you add them all up it encompasses about seven thousand acres and approximately 300 commercial apple producers in that space so it's a it's a really beautiful place to work and being positioned in in the mountains is a real strategic benefit for me
1: and so what brought you to nc state what what is your background and what were you doing prior to to coming here
0: i for both my Master's and PhD programs, they were both focused on apple production, primarily crop load management or the intentional removal of flowers or fruit so that the remaining fruit can meet market uh, standards there.
1: Let's talk about apples then. So, you know, first of all, it'd be great if you could describe a little bit about what you see as perhaps the efficiencies or inefficiencies of apple production here in the southeast and perhaps across the U.S. and, you know, what, where, where is the white space where um, you know, new research would really help support those growers.
0: Yeah, so it, it's, it's a beautiful time to, do, to be working in this area from my perspective. Um, there, a lot of the, the researchers that came before me, um, we wouldn't be at this point in time where we could start to impose new technologies without some of the critical work that's been done over the past 40 or 50 years. One of the main transitions that's happened in the apple industry over the past 30 or 40 years is this transition to orchard production systems that are more simplified in their canopy architecture. So these would be high density orchard production systems. And one of the main reasons that a person would wanna even consider that, because ultimately whenever you talk about increasing plant density per unit land area, that's gonna be more expensive for the grower, at least in terms of upfront cost, establishment costs. But um, the advent and development of dwarfing precocious rootstocks in apple production systems has been just a a real game changer for our industry. And that's that's allowed for um, apple growers to begin to plant orchards at these tighter spacings to capture more light per unit land area. Um, And also by doing that, you have these tall, simplified, narrow canopy architectures at this point in time. So you have better light distribution within that canopy, which improves flower bud development, improves fruit color. And they're also the the, the real beauty of it all is that they're compatible with um, new technologies because ultimately computer vision systems are, are limited in how deep they can go into a, a, a canopy. So that's, that's been, that's been a major positive change. So I, I think that we're at a stage right now where we're beginning to develop orchard systems that are really compatible to make this industry more competitive and more productive and more efficient. With that, right now we're in this unique position where there's a lot of interest in in new agricultural technologies and trying to integrate that into these systems can be a a challenge. And and because it's it's a perennial cropping system, there's these key moments of intervention to have that data processed efficiently so that growers or producers or managers can really use
1: it, that's that, that
0: that's a real challenge,
1: yeah. So let's talk a bit about that technology, because as you said, I mean, if, if people have not gone into a commercial apple orchard, um, they might be surprised if, when they do, because as you say, I mean, it's it's trellised, it's all set up in a completely different way from what many of us have in our mind as traditional orchards looking at for, from the past, but also as you said, it's really compatible with new technology and robotics and, and other uh, for harvesting or whichever types of intervention, as you say, that um, you could potentially use. So tell us a little bit about the technology that you see coming to apple production uh, in, in in this area.
0: Yeah, I'll have to kind of almost go through this in in, a, in chronological order or phenological order with apples because I think that there are multiple timings throughout the course of the year that the technologies like this are, are either coming or they're here. So whenever we think about... Some of the early decisions that apple growers have to make in the spring as it relates to crop load management. Um, what's been phenomenal is that there are at least six or seven different startup companies working in the space of trying to be able to count or estimate blossom cluster density to help improve thinning decisions, also to count and size apple fruit so that a person can maybe predict if a specific uh, so so we work a lot in chemical thinning of apple, and one challenge with thinning is that you really don't know from a given chemical thinner application if those fruit will fall off until about 10 to 14 days after that chemistry is applied. And once, you, once those fruit are about 25 millimeters in diameter, they're not responsive to those thinners anymore. So the alternative at that point, if you haven't removed enough of that crop at that stage, is that you have to send in labor by hand at this stage to remove that crop so I think that... uh, And
1: and just to give us an idea on thinning, what does that mean to kind of the yield at the end of the growing season? Is this really significant then?
0: Yeah 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 thinning is one of the arguably the most important management decision of the year because it impacts the quality of crop of the crop in the current season and the value of that crop so it has profound impacts on fruit size and fruit color development which are two primary drivers of how much money you get for those apples and then another thing with with some apple varieties is that if you don't remove enough of that crop in a given year it can have a negative influence on flower bud production in the next year and as a result it's it's a two-year swing and cycle there so that's that's why it's really important and you know the difference in crop value based on thinning decisions can swing between five to ten thousand dollars per acre per year. So it's it's a pretty pretty important decision. So yeah, that's why there's a lot of interest in working in this space with these. So, so
1: really supporting growers to make a really effective decision on when to use these chemicals is is really hyper important there.
0: Uh, absolutely absolutely so and then I, I think that there, there's been a lot of interest in just some some mapping of orchard characteristics um, throughout the season. There are some efforts to try to detect disease and pathogens in orchard systems autonomously which is exciting. Mineral nutrition inputs as well throughout the course of the season. As you get closer to harvest then it becomes related to yield estimation in these in these spaces as well to help inform growers and packers and shippers of what type of volume to expect at the end of the year. So again, there's there's a significant effort in that area and we've done some work in that area and there's some exciting technologies that range from equipment that would be mounted to the front end of a tractor or on a autonomous UTV to even some smartphone-based technologies to try to assess how many fruit are on that tree or and, and, and also what will their size be to inform pack out. So it's, and, and fruit color. So there's that's, that's quite exciting. And then whenever you get to the, kind of the holy grail in automation in, in apples, to me, will be automated harvest. But it's, it, we're still a little ways off from that. There's, again, a lot of interest. At one point there were seven companies, but that shrinks and swells in terms of that interest and, and ability. It's, it's hard to be a startup right now, that's for sure. The North Carolina Plant Sciences Initiative impacts lives through innovative applications and discoveries. By leveraging cutting-edge research and technology, we address global challenges related to agriculture, sustainability, and human health.
1: What is holding us back from your perspective in terms of having those robotic harvesters in the field? I think where,
0: from from my perspective, and others that have worked more in that area might have a different opinion, but from my perspective, I think that one, one challenge is to develop equipment that can work through orchards fast enough that would keep pace with a human labor force at this point, because we can always throw more bodies at this, but the cost of some of this equipment can be a bit of a barrier, and especially as I I think about the southeastern apple industry, we're we're relatively small compared to some of the larger industries in the Pacific Northwest, Upper Midwest, along with the Northeast. So as a result, some of these technologies, I, I really think it's important to be able to develop a few bridges that can also serve growers that are small, small acreage, as compared to those that are, are large, you know, 5,000 acre ranches out in the Pacific Northwest. So that's that's a real tricky area, but it's also an opportunity, I think. And, and that's generally where we've kind of dipped our toe in the water with some of this ag tech research, it's been to, to, with technologies that are compatible with smaller industries, because that's the one that I serve, yeah, yeah.
1: And so coming now post-harvest, I guess there's also technology needed and being utilized to prevent food waste and, and, and nutrient loss, I guess, in, in, in the fruit.
0: Yeah and 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 I think that it's it's not just the fruit but it's also the handling of that fruit where there's some really incredible innovations in robotics as, as well in in different packing houses but uh but certainly I think some of that happens once that fruit's removed in many cases um, if it's going to be if it's destined for long-term storage there are molecules that, that can actually enhance the life of the, the the fruit one of which was developed here at NC State University with one MCP and, and that's that's been a game changer for this industry and many other horticultural industries and and so that that product's been phenomenal but then also just the advancements in in storage facilities and, and also monitoring fruit in that storage system so that Packers and shippers know when they need to, you know, pull specific lots of fruit and sell them before they they begin to break down in that environment. A lot of my program is focused more on that. Get you know, when the fruit is on the tree, and and we, we pull it off and we learn what we have. But that whole post harvest chain, there there's there's a lot of space there too. You
1: know. Yeah, I mean, I was privileged enough to visit a couple of those packing houses out in Washington State and was just mind blown about you know the efficiency, the scale. Uh, the road, you know, automation of, of what they put in place there. Do we have those kind of things equivalent in the southeast or is, does the apple uh, industry here, is it not big enough to support those kind of large-scale packing uh, houses?
0: So we we have one or two large-scale packing operations, but, but not near the scale that you would see in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and I, I think as a result, some of those technologies with robotics aren't quite there to move fruit around and to replace human effort in in those operations. But whenever it comes to actually the the, the packing and sorting of that fruit, it's, it's phenomenal what's in some of this equipment in terms of internal and external defects. And certainly some of our growers and packer shippers do have that equipment. Um, again, maybe not quite at the scale of the Pacific Northwest or, or other production areas. But I will say that on the East Coast here, there are several um, packer shippers that that have some of those tools at their disposal, and, and that uh, generally aligns with you know as you increase industry size i think you'll see some some more of that automation in place you
1: know. so let's talk very briefly about maybe the last link but maybe the most important link in the chain which is the consumer like you know my, me <laughs> i go into the supermarket and see an amazing array of of different apple varieties what you know very um, homogeneous in terms of size and color and, and so on and so forth what what do you sense, are you know, the consumer preferences right now, and and how do you see that driving, um, you know, the apple industry moving forward? It depends on who you talk to in this conversation, because
0: right now it's it can be a little overwhelming if you're at the grocery store. You see how much of the footprint of a given retailer is dedicated to apples because you can buy them in what were tray packed apples you can buy them in bags and of course you have different processed products there and the the luxury of choice some people really enjoy and embrace that but then there's there's a lot of people whenever you get these new varieties that come out um, that they're unaware of them but they see them costing you know three dollars and twenty nine cents a pound and they say oh I'm gonna go with one that I know whether it's Fuji or Gala or Crips Pink or or any of those. So I I think that uh, right now, in terms of consumer preference, I, I think that there is a segment of the population that really enjoys that choice. But then I think when you talk to the retailers actually handling that number of apple cultivars, and having that much floor space dedicated is a real burden and challenge. And there are some calls from um, some of the larger retailers to kind of start to cut it down, you know, figure out your six or eight varieties, stick with them as an industry, and go from there. So I I don't know, for me personally, I think that in our industry, um, that wide choice and variety, a lot of our fruit goes to direct market operations when it comes down to it. And I think that a lot of the consumers that are interested in going so right where those fruit were grown, do love that, that, that degree of choice. And there's been some t- t- tremendous innovations in, in uh, the quality of fruit that's out there. And I will say that fruit texture seems to be a really important uh, criteria at this point. Whenever we think about a major game changer, it was Honeycrisp apples, that textural experience for the consumer. Was so different, and as a result, many of the breeding programs are using Honeycrisp as a parent right now to make sure that the consumer can still get that, but also have
1: some some different options of that flavor profile, which is really exciting. Fantastic, yeah. and you know, as you say, the the, the choice is is fantastic. It, at least for me as a consumer, through my eyes, and tribute to you know the apple growers what they've managed to do, and then you know the quality as well. But as you say, maybe maybe things could be simplified sometimes. But <laughs> Coming back a bit closer to home then, and just kind of final question I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, as you serve these states in the Southeast, can you talk a little bit about why it is so important to have integrated research work with our extension services to provide you know, the best research outcomes for, for our growers?
0: Sure, yeah. So I, I think that um, this region that we're based in here is, it's got a pretty unique climate. So we're the southernmost apple growing region Um, In the United States that has a critical mass and and I I think that realistically for me um, Having that integrated approach is so critical to help promote adoption of some of these technologies that we've discussed and also For growers to truly see it on their own farms that that's a pretty special thing And it's one that my program's really tried to make a concerted effort in is to make sure that we're putting our research effort on grower farms effectively so since i started here at nc state and some of it was out of necessity is that i just simply didn't have research orchards at research stations to support all of my work so we we do about half of our research on grower farms and what's what's always special and amazing to me is that with those critical commercial partners you're just really able to not only learn more together but also you, some of the questions you get back and some of the ideas. It's really fueled my research and extension program to move forward and, 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 and some of those questions have really inspired my my program direction, which is exciting. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful partnership and, and one that I, I'll never take for granted. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, Tom, really appreciate. I mean, I've learned a ton from talking to you just in this 20 minutes on Apple production and, and see some of the you know areas that uh, technology is really taking hold and perhaps some of the areas were yet to, to be fully realized. But I'm, as a next step, I'm going to be talking to some of these companies are working in this technology space and see what they're doing uh, to try to move things forward. But thanks a lot. This was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Adrian. Yeah.
0: AgTech360 shares relevant news and breakthroughs with audiences across the globe.
1: Stay connected and join the conversation by following NCPSI on social media.